we overcome the enemy by the power of our testimony. And so many of us, because of the consequences, we are then ashamed, which leads me to the fact that we feel condemned. You can choose the sin. You can't choose the consequence. And I said, come on, that is a whole word. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence, increase your faith and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamaria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. Good morning and welcome to a live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast. I am your host, Tamaria Jordan, and today's message is titled, consequences, condemnation, and conviction. Oh my, it's time to receive God's gift. Here's why. And this morning I was led to record this. I actually was led to record it yesterday. I didn't get a chance to, but I really wanted to make sure that I got this message out because I feel like in the times in which we are living, a lot of believers especially are confused with regard to what it means to have consequences, what it means to feel condemned, and what it means to have conviction. And when we think about the enemy, and I like to think of, we think about what he wants to do. God did not send his son. So on Sunday, for those who recognize and celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we celebrated the fact that Jesus rose. And ironically, I wrote a poem the other day because I realized that regardless of the day that it is, God's salvation is the same every day. So regardless of the Sunday, regardless of the day of the week, there is nothing that will separate us from God's salvation unless we choose to walk away from him. So the poem that I wrote was called He Rose, A Rhyme for the Times. And it went a little something like this. God sent his son to die on Calvary. He doesn't hold grudges. He's not people you see. His son gave his life for you and for me. The true lamb came down and claimed the victory. He grabbed keys to hell and the grave, which are dead, you see. Yet the world has us distracted by an Easter bunny. One thing's for certain, two things for sure. Jesus rose on the third day that cannot be ignored. And the reason that I ended up writing that is I think about the fact that Regardless of the day, God's salvation, God's free gift is something that we all have access to. But what the enemy wants us to believe is that we are to live a life condemned and that the word is not true because the enemy knows that his time is short. So in Revelation 12, it reminds us that the enemy has waged war against the remnant of the seed. So essentially those who believe. And when you think about that, That is a powerful revelation in and of itself. It says in Revelation 12, verse 17, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. 
In that same chapter, it talks about how Satan was hurled down to the earth and he wasn't strong enough. And therefore the dragon and his angels were cast out of heaven. The great dragon was hurled down to earth. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels were with him. And this is in verse nine in the same chapter. And then it says further down that in verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and by the word of their testimony. Hence the reason I titled this Consequences, Condemnation, and Conviction, because we know that the devil was sent down from heaven because he engaged in battle when war broke out there. And so he was sent down to the earth and he is here now attempting to devour us, to kill, steal, and destroy the very thing that God has put in us. And we know that we live in a fallen world, but literally it says we triumph over him by the blood of the lamb. And so then that led me to think about consequences, condemnation, and conviction. And I received a message from a pastor recently, and I thought it was a really powerful reminder. It was a screenshot of something that she had taken, but she shared it. And I said, you know what? That is powerful. That is a great reminder. And it said, you can choose the sin. You can't choose the consequence. And I said, come on, that is a whole word, primarily because a lot of times people think, you know what? I can do what I want to do. I can live how I want to live. And there's no consequence. But here's the thing. The Bible reminds us with regard to consequences that we will reap what we sow. In Galatians 6, 7, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And then it continues on in verse 8 to say, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And so when you think about that and you think about consequences, everything that we do has a consequence, both good and bad. So when we do good, good comes back to us. But the same thing holds true when we do bad. We cannot escape the consequences. And here's the thing, God is a forgiving God, but there are still consequences. So for instance, if you decide to engage in premarital sex and you have a child, that in and of itself can be looked at different ways. So some people might say, well, you know what, in order to conceive a child, that is such an intricate process that the child is a blessing. The child is a blessing because the word also reminds us that all things work together for the good of those who are called. And so when you think about the fact that all things work together, even though we might make a decision that in by the world standards has a consequence, the consequence of having premarital sex is you could get STD too. You could get STD, you could have a child. There's a whole lot of things that can come along with it. There could also be the emotional aspect of it, but that is what the enemy doesn't tell you. The enemy doesn't tell you the whole truth. Like with Adam and Eve, the enemy literally 
the whispers and said, surely you will not die. That's what they he told Eve in the garden. Surely you will not die. Now he knew the consequence, but he didn't tell them the full consequence. He just told them the part of it. So the enemy knows the truth. And oftentimes he tells us part of the truth. So we know that if we have premarital sex, there are a whole lot of things that can happen as a result, but that doesn't mean that God can't turn things around for his good and, uh, and for our good. And that's the one thing that we can be assured of is that even in the midst of our mess, God can still essentially bless us, meaning we overcome the enemy by the power of our testimony. And so many of us, because of the consequences, we are then ashamed, which leads me to the fact that we feel condemned. We feel like, you know what? I cannot share my testimony because I did have premarital sex. I had a baby out of wedlock or whatever it is. Or maybe you decided to tell a lie and you lost your job. So now you're embarrassed because you lost your job. But the reason you lost your job was because you lied. So there's a consequence to your actions. And so when I think about that, I'm like, okay, Lord, thank you for the reminders. Thank you for revelation. And literally what that screenshot said, you can choose your sin. You cannot choose your consequence. So now we choose, when we think about the fact that we choose our sin and we reap what we sow, Fast forward, when you think about condemnation, we go back to Revelation 12, where it says the enemy accuses us before God day and night. That is the condemnation. And so then I say, you know what? Let me look up condemnation. And when you think about property, we are, I don't know if you remember uh, Kirk Franklin's song, God's Property. We are God's property. And when you think about condemning a property, a building, When you think about it in terms of real estate, because we are God's real estate, we are his children. When a government seeks to take property from a private owner, either through eminent domain or some other governmental function, the court decides whether or not it's legal or appropriate to compensate them. But then what's also interesting about this is the fact that they also figure out whether or not that that building is to be occupied. And so essentially, when you think about condemning a building, it is figuring out if that building has to be demolished, what needs to happen as a result of condemning the building. And so when you think about the process of a government or private entity legally acquiring the property, so when we choose to sin, that's where that condemnation comes in. Meaning, The enemy, if you put the enemy in the place of the government or the private entity, the entity now has legal access to you. You are the property. Now, any spirits that that enemy tries to send in, they now have legal access. They have a legal right because of the sin that we've committed. And so condemnation oftentimes can be used to enforce different codes um, for when you think about housing for abandoned or dilapidated properties. So when you think about dilapidated properties, these are properties that look really bad. Maybe the the windows are falling apart. The glass is broken. The door is falling off the hinges. When you think about sin, what sin does to us is it destroys our vessel. It destroys our property. 
And so then the enemy comes in as the authority and says, you know what? Now I can seize this property from the owners. I'm taking you from God because I want to condemn you. I want to accuse you before the enemy, before God day and night. I want to accuse you and I want to tell God, look at how bad they are. Look at all the mistakes that they made. But in Revelation 12, what does it say? It says that we overcome the enemy by the what? Blood of the lamb. So we just had Resurrection Sunday. Jesus died on the cross for us. He was sent down as the sacrifice for our sins. And that's why I say it goes beyond Resurrection Sunday. It's every day. Every day we have access to salvation through Jesus Christ. And so when I thought about it, I said, oh my gosh, this is so powerful. And then you think about um, conviction. So when we think about condemnation and we think about consequences, these are things that that seemingly consequences, that's going to come because we reap what we sow. The condemnation in Romans 8, it reminds us therefore is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 John 3.20, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. And John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And going back to Romans 8, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He is going to God on our behalf because he knows that our flesh is weak. Our spirit may be willing, but that is why we have to be willing to admit that there's a problem because God cannot heal what we do not reveal. And as you continue to read on in Romans 8, there is so much that is so powerful. And actually, I encourage you to read the whole chapter. Don't take my word for it. Don't edify me, edify God. Read the word and see what it is that he wants to speak to you. But literally in Romans 8, starting in verse 12, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so when you think about it, and fast forward in verse 26, it says, the spirit helps us in our weakness for when we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, come on, Lord, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so you think about that full circle moment right there where I talked about the fact that 
there are consequences for our actions. We reap what we sow. And I use the example of a child, having a child out of wedlock, because it can still work together for God's good. But what does it say? The spirit helps us in our weakness. But again, we have to be willing to confess that there is a pro- that, that we have a problem and that we need God and that we are not all knowing and that we are not all powerful and we need God because we are adopted as heirs to God's throne. And in verse 29, it continues to say, so it says that all things work together, but it also says for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, made righteous. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so when you think about the consequence, we know what's to come. The condemnation is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to condemn you like that building. He wants to take what is rightfully God's and he wants to say, I'm going to seize you because now you are walking out of God's will. Because now you are unsafe to occupy. You are unsafe to use because of sin. But God, but God. But God, so I don't know who needs this message, who needs this reminder today. The enemy has lied to you long enough. Yes, there are consequences for your sin because we will reap what we sow. But the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, not God, because God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that leads me to the last point, which is conviction. And conviction is literally allowing us to be able to go to God and say, you know what, God, I've made some mistakes. I made some mistakes, but God is going to allow me to come back to him. He's going to allow me to see my wrongdoing so it can be repaired. Because when you think about conviction, it's either a formal declaration that someone is guilty of a criminal offense made by a verdict of a jury or a decision of a judge in the court of law. And you think about it, it says that Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus goes to the court of God and says, God, I'm interceding on their behalf. And what we just read in Romans is that the spirit intercedes for us as well when we are weak. Hmm. And continuing on in Romans 8, starting in verse 31, when, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, 
nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we have conviction, but who goes on our behalf? Jesus Christ, because he died for our sins. And conviction also means a firmly held belief or opinion by definition. But when we have conviction, that means that we know that it is God. It is God who is working through us. So Hebrews 1, excuse me, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the assurance, aka confidence. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The conviction. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, as it is. So we have faith. We have conviction. We have a firm belief of things not seen. We believe in God. We believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9 through 10, it says, As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. That's the conviction. You are grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Come on, Lord. Worldly grief produces death. Consequences, condemnation, conviction. Oh my. It is time for us to accept God's gift. And I just told you why. It is important that we realize what the word says, not what the world says. Because yes, judgment will come. But God told us how. We can escape the enemy's snare, but we overcome him by two things, the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. And as long as we will not reveal the truth and we don't talk to God about what it is that we do, because he knows it anyway, we cannot get free. Hence the reason we focus on the consequence and the condemnation. But when the conviction comes, the godly repent the godly conviction it helps produce repentance that leads to salvation without regret because of what faith whereas godly grief consequences condemnation the things the enemy is telling you now in your head you're not saved who do you think you are you can't overcome sin we can't that's why god sent jesus I'm not Jesus. I just thank God for his grace, for his mercy, because I know it's not me. It is his grace and his mercy that saves us. It is not by works that we are saved. And so I'm so excited today. First John 1, 9 says that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to believe. We have to believe. In Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift, come on, Lord, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I just hope and I pray that this message blesses you today. And you never know who could be blessed by this message. So my hope and prayer is that you would share this because the enemy right now knows that his time is short. And in Revelation 12, it tells us that. So it is important for us in this hour to watch and pray. Luke 21 tells us of the things that are to come in the end times. Revelation 12 tells us that the enemy is waging war against the remnant 
the, the, the offspring of the woman's seed, who the enemy waged war against. Because here's the thing, the enemy doesn't know who is going to bruise his head. That God can use anyone. And who are we to tell God who he can use? And another thing, Romans 10 reminds us, 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so I encourage you to read your word, spend time with God. Don't make idols out of men because we are people. People fall, people sin, people make mistakes. This is why you go to God and God will give you revelation as well. He is using people in this hour to bring, I believe, revelation to others by sharing their truth, by sharing their testimony to draw them closer to God. Not draw them closer to people, draw them closer to God. And it's funny, I, I wrote something. I said I was going to record a show on it. I didn't record it yet, but it's it, it was essentially about this topic, not idolizing people because God, God doesn't want us idolizing people. And he tells us that in his word too. So be very careful. Yes, you can follow the minister, but the minister is not God. The person sharing their their interpretation of the word, sharing what they're, what they're reading and what God has revealed to them. They are not God, but God is breathing his life into so many people right now to share his word because he said that the rocks will cry out. And in the end times, the, the children will testify. The children will share the word. But I believe that it is in Acts where it says that in the, there it is, Acts 2.17, and in the last days, it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. God is pouring out his spirit right now on the flesh, us, the body, the body of Christ. We all have, the body has different members. We all have a different purpose, a different call because God needs us to seek and save those who are lost. He is pouring out his spirit in this hour, but he is also encouraging us to do our work, to read the word, to know what the word says for ourselves so that we will not be deceived. The enemy wants us to be deceived. The enemy wants us to focus on the consequence, to focus on the condemnation. But what God wants is godly repentance. He wants us to have the godly grief where, yes, we are convicted and we also know that we also have a savior who, through that conviction, justifies us, who says, you know what? Yes, God, they did do wrong, but I give myself as a living sacrifice for them. So the last thing I want to leave you with as it relates to this is the prayer of salvation. And oftentimes, um, this is something that I will say uh, for me, I will just say it as often as I need to. And oftentimes during altar call, I will recite it again and again, because every day God's mercies are made new. Every day we probably need to repent for something, but just pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you and show you yourself because I am so grateful for the things that I have learned in this season of my life. And I can't say that this season has been the easiest, but let me tell you, I realized that nothing will be wasted. Like it reminded us earlier that 
all things will work together and that nothing will separate us from the love of God. So the prayer of salvation, um, this is one version. There are many, but just ask God, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I make you the Lord over my life. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in righteousness daily. In Jesus' name, amen. And I pray that this message has blessed you today. Please, again, don't forget to subscribe so you can stay abreast of any updates that are shared. This channel is all about faith, inspiration, and transformation. And if you are listening to the audio podcast, definitely don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel because you never know what message could really resonate with your soul, but also encourage you to go deeper in your walk with God and read the word for yourself and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Because I read multiple scriptures today, but God is going to reveal to you whatever it is that he wants you to hear. And so I feel like confidence restored is so much more than a mantra. It is my mission. It is my mission to restore confidence in Christ. And it took me a while to get to this point where I understood what it was that God gave me well over a decade ago, but now I get it. I'm like, wait a minute, confidence is faith. Confidence is faith and trust in God. And the restoration is restoring us back to God. It's restoring our faith because when we are born, the enemy is on assignment to take that faith away from us, to destroy it, to destroy our confidence, to destroy our self-esteem, to tell us what we aren't, to tell us what we can't do, who we can't become, the mistakes that we've made. And God is like, no, I will make it all work out for your good. But the enemy wants to condemn us. He wants us to stay held down in a place where we are unable to move forward. Because here's the thing, when a building is condemned, you can't go in it. I remember surviving a tornado in 1993. Ironically, this is episode 93. August 6th will be 30 years from the date of the tornado. And when they condemned the house that I was in, we could no longer occupy it. But God is saying to someone today, I am going to take back my property. But we have to be willing to repent of our sins and say, God, I need you and stop thinking we can do it ourselves. Because I used to live that same way, feeling like I could save myself if I just do a little bit more. But at the end of the day, our works is not what saves us. It is literally by grace and by mercy. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It is grace and it is mercy. And so I don't think it's by mistake that this, this came together the way that it did. Consequences, condemnation, and conviction. When you think about a court of law, there's a consequence for our action. Then you go through the process by which you are convicted and then condemned. But God has given us a way of escape. And that way of escape is by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and repenting for our sins. But as long as we don't reveal what it is, God can't heal it. And so he wants us to be open to whatever it is that he's trying to do in our lives. And I just hope and pray that this message encourages you today to trust in what the word says, to have confidence restored, faith and what God says and not what the enemy is whispering to you and trying to hold you down. Because as long as you live a life condemned, you will not do and become all that God called you to do because you won't feel like you're worthy. 
But this is your reminder today. You are worthy. You are worthy and you are worth it. Why? Not because people approve you, but because God does. Because God says, if you come to me and you repent, I will forgive you of your sins. Because he did not, again, send his son to die on the cross for nothing. He literally is setting us free. He is setting us free. And in Romans 8, verse 21, it says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. He wants to set us free. And I'm going to skip down to 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. God is taking us back. He is taking us back. Verse 24, for in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We hope for it in faith. So on that note, I pray that you would be blessed, that you have a great day, and that in this thing called life, that you would just keep on keeping on. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CC America. Until next time, be blessed.